Your response to that is not to say, oh, we'll have another go and try again. You know, that's the Einstein theory of madness. Do the same thing and expect a different result. That was Alex Salmond talking to us about what's next for his Alpa party after the defection from the SNP of former Scottish Government Minister Ash Regan. We'll have a full interview with him a little later. First, hello, I'm Andy Phillip, Head of Politics at DC Thompson, and this is The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast that helps keep you better briefed. You join us today as we reflect on some major developments in Scottish and UK politics. The Covid inquiry is making headlines out of Edinburgh and London, and we of course cover that in full on our titles in print and online through the Press and Journal, The Courier and Sunday Post. Today, however, we're focusing on the latest problems domestically for First Minister Hamza Youssef. On Monday, he was starting the new parliamentary week one MSP down. Then he lost an SNP councillor in Ayrshire. Reacting to that uh, loss of Ash Regan, he said the defection was no great loss. Before our featured interview with Alex Salmond, let's hear from her herself. She is the former community safety minister who quit under Nicola Sturgeon in the split over the policy for trans people to self-ID. She stood in the SNP leadership election, losing to Hamza Youssef in spring, and she's not been happy since. I met her for a quick chat this week and began by asking her if Hamza's withering put-down stung a bit. I think everyone understands that Hamza's under a lot of stress right now. Um, He has clearly got a lot on his mind with the family situation. You know, he's got relatives that are trapped in a war zone. So it's clearly unbelievably distressing. So as I said in my resignation letter, um, I wish Hamza well. I want to continue to to work with him. Uh, I wish the party well, and I want to continue to work with the SNP. I've been very consistent all along. You know, when I was in the leadership contest and I was talking about us all working together for the sake of independence, I genuinely mean that. So I want to continue to do that. How difficult was it then to come to the decision that you've made? It was very difficult. I think most people understand that um, politicians do not leave their political party lightly. You know, many of us have been in in these political parties for years and years and years, and uh, it's not something that that you do lightly. I got to the point, though, after the SNP um, took their latest decision at conference um, on their independent strategy, that I felt that that there was a big divergence was starting to open up between the policies that I thought were right and the ones that were being adopted by the party. I want to put independence front and centre. It's very important to me. It also is a sense of urgency for me that we achieve Scottish independence. I feel that that's why I was elected. You know, that's why I got into politics. That's why I joined the party. But I feel that I can't do that anymore as part of the SNP. And that's why I took the decision to go to Alba. Spoke to Fergus Ewing today. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he's staying put and he wants to try and win people back over to the SNP even though he's got his own difficulties with the party at the moment. Mm-hmm. Did he try to convince you to stay? I have to say I didn't discuss my decision with um, my SNP colleagues before I, I made it. It was um, um, I made the decision um, quite quickly after seeing the strategy that the SNP had adopted. Just, um, it was just, was it last week or the week before? Um, and I only made the decision on Thursday. So I, I, didn't, I didn't speak to any colleagues before I made the decision. Every Alapa politician now, at every level, Council, Holyrood, mm-hmm. Westminster, yeah. um, have come from leaving the SNP within a, par- a parliamentary term. Yeah. Uh, so everybody's unelected at the moment. No one's tested the support yeah. um, since the last election yeah. with a by-election. Mm-hmm. You have any plans to, to do that yourself? Uh, have I got a plan to call a by-election? No, yes. I haven't. 
So I consider that I've been elected on a pro-independence platform. Um, I you know, stood on a platform of wanting to, to progress and achieve Scottish independence both in 2016 and then when I doubled my majority in 2021. I think my constituents, I think they know me, I think they trust me. I think they have seen in me um, a politician that's prepared to even go against their own party in the case of the Gender Recognition Bill at personal cost to their own career. So I'm wanting to continue to work really hard for my constituents um, and I want to progress independence. And so I um, intend to continue to, to work hard for them. When you go back to Parliament, it's a fairly lonely group of one at mm. the moment. Um, what's your first task going to be? So I think the task um, at the moment is going to be to continue to put independence front and centre. Um, we've also got a number of policies that we're going to be talking about to do with the cost of living crisis. So these are the kind of um, the pressing issues I think that we need to be talking about. Um, I think the support for Albert is growing. I'm hoping that we're going to see us um, grow in the support that we're having. And I think having um, someone in the Hollywood able to put forward arguments and people to hear and see what ALBA stand for and our emphasis on independence, I'm sure that that will have a positive impact. I think it's a good opportunity for us to grow our support. And what about growing your support within Holyrood? Is there anyone in the SNP mm -hmm. you've got your eyes set on? Watch this face. That was Ash Regan talking to me in Edinburgh earlier this week. Her defection was part of a big reveal from ex-SNP leader and First Minister Alex Salmond. He was at the Alpa Party conference at the weekend, so Derek Healy, the Sunday Post political editor, caught up with him for a chat. They talk at length about SNP policy and serious criticism of, of the direction under Hamza Youssef and Nicola Sturgeon. And he begins by asking him if he has any advice for the current First Minister, Hamza Youssef. I met Hamza at uh, Winnie Union's memorial service, uh, and at the time he suggested we have a meeting. <laughs> so I've, been, I've made one or two inquiries since, but that it's all gone quiet on the meeting front. I, I'd be delighted to, uh, uh, to meet the First Minister, and uh, I would give him what advice I could in as best the way I could. I mean, we believe in the same objective of Scottish independence. What would that advice be? Well, the advice I would give is this. I mean, I know for various reasons he, he wanted to stress the why of independence. I, I'm not certain that case hasn't been substantially made. You know, people, people shivering in their homes in energy-rich Scotland this coming winter will have a good idea of the why of independence. And the why is, why should we in an energy-rich country be unable to afford to heat our homes? That seems to me a, a great argument for the why. Control your own resources, make sure your people get the benefit of it, as they do in other countries like Norway. But you also have to tell people, if you're going to keep the campaign alive, about the, the when of independence. When's it going to happen? You can't keep saying it's just over the, the next hill. You know, bear with us and we'll get round to it uh, sometime. Uh, and you've got to you've got to engage in the how of independence, because for many many years the SNP struggled to explain to people exactly how they were going to get to independence. And unless people know there's a defined route, uh, then it becomes an abstract issue, not an issue for the here and now, but an issue for the hereafter. For example, it was only when we got into the the referendum campaign of 2014, and there was a a, a date. Uh, coming before people of September the 18th, that you saw the independence campaign flourish and the polls begin to move in favour of independence. And unless people have the hope that there's going to be a day of decision or a day of destiny, uh, then it's very easy for people to lose heart. 
so it's not just the why of independence, it's the how and the when that matter as well. Realistically though, how do you get there? Because I mean, obviously any route that's pursued, it looks as if the UK government is going to say no. So how do you get past that hurdle? How do you move to the next stage? Well, you, you, have to, you have to not take no for an answer. I mean, my great uh, problem, what's happened over the last few years, is that I, I find that, uh, look, if I looked at the Scottish government over the last few years, right, my view would be they're not serious about getting to independence. And if I don't think they're serious, how do you think Westminster feels about them? Uh, you know, and whatever else David Cameron thought about me, he knew I was serious about independence. So, pra so practically then? Well, okay, pra practically. Well, what you do is you say, look, if they say you're not getting a referendum, and that's obviously very clear, your response to that is not to say, oh, we'll have another go and try again. You know, that's the Einstein theory of madness. Do the same thing and expect a different result. So therefore, it's absolutely correct to say we use another ballot box opportunity. Now, if you're using the ballot box in an election, whether Westminster or Scotland, to have a decisive result on independence, and obviously it's the votes that count, not just the seats, because you're using it as a proxy for a referendum. And once you've got the validity of that democratic majority, which needn't be in a single party, all parties who sign up to the urgency of the moment and say this is a mandate to negotiate independence, then you prepare your domestic and international pressure to force Westminster down the road of conceding to Scotland's demands. But, you know, Many, many other countries in history have been in this position, and most of them had got to independence, but not a single one of them got to independence unless they had the absolute determination to get there, and certainly were not going to take no for an answer. So Arapa have a clear, straightforward policy that each and every election, our votes will contribute to a democratic mandate, which means a majority of votes for Scottish independence, and we prepare the domestic and political and international agitation to bend Westminster to the will of the Scottish people. Now, that's a pretty straightforward uh, policy you can express in two or three sentences. Uh, I read the motion that was passed at the SNP conference, and once I got to the bottom of the page, I still didn't understand what they were asking people to vote for. So let's say that meeting takes place between you and obviously yourself. If he asked you about the Butte House Agreement to deal with the Greens, what would you tell them? Is it you know is that a help or a hindrance at this stage? Do you think? Oh, a huge hindrance, uh, and uh, pretty obviously. I mean, you know, I, I've got some sympathy for Hamza, and he inherited some really daft policies. I mean, off the wall stuff like bottle schemes and persecuting fishing communities, and of course self identification, uh, and others, incidentally. Uh, and you know, th this strange commitment, or the strange lack of commitment to dueling the A nine. And if you go to each and every one of these policies, you'll, you'll find that there's a well, there's a, a red card from the Greens on every single one of them. You know, each of them were green ideas or, or things they were adding to. Certainly, they were part of the Butte House Agreement. Uh, so, a lot of the very, very unpopular things that the SNP have engaged in in recent years, which have caused them a, a huge amount of grief uh, in uh, certainly in the Rutherglen by-election, uh, are actually sourced on the Greens. So, I mean. He's in a position of allowing the, the green tail to, to wag the SNP dog. And for people who say, look, you know, you can't run a parliament unless you've got a majority. I ran a government in Scotland for four years with 47 MPs, MSPs. Hamza has 64. So 
So this idea that it's difficult to, to, to get the, the votes to pursue your legislation is nonsensical. The great thing to do is to put forward progressive, popular policies that the people support and dare the opposition to vote against you. And what I found is they didn't dare. We've been talking about Humza Yousaf's inheritance. I'm sure you saw some of the footage of Nicola Sturgeon showing up to SMB conference with the sort of huge media circus that sort of surrounded that. Um, I'm not sure if John Swinney is necessarily the type, but it did make me wonder what you would have made of it if when you were leader, a predecessor or someone else had made a big scene like that. Um, what did you think of that? Well, I know that Nicola was very bothered about it. I don't know what Hums is bothered or not. I mean, I wasn't bothered, certainly. But, you know, I didn't suffer from imposter syndrome, so so I was quite happy, whoever was at the conference. I don't know. I mean, Hums is a pretty relaxed sort of guy. I mean, I thought it was a kind of curious thing to do from Nicola, but, but Hamza's a, a pretty affable sort of guy. I, I don't... I mean... I think Hamza really has to have a, not, I'm not talking here about appearances at conference, but it, you know, when he's scrapping all of uh, Nicola's inherited policies, as he's been doing recently, I mean, I noticed he's gone back to, to one of my favourites, the freeze on the council tax, which I think is an excellent thing. I mean, incidentally, I advocated that on the Friday and Hamza announced it three days later. I'm really pleased about that. But, you know, when he goes back to that policy, which Nicola would never have done, uh, or when he scraps the bottle scheme, or, or, or when he uh, calls a halt to that daft fishing policy. Uh, you know, he, he's doing these things almost by stealth. You know, he's burying them away and, and hoping that nobody notices they've gone. In my view, what he should be doing is, look, I've got a new agenda. I, I'm not bound by what I inherited. Uh, this is a new administration, a new first minister, a new agenda, and make a virtue of his U-turn, uh, as opposed to kind of smuggling them out of the dead of night. Uh, that would be one of my pieces of advice. But, you know, maybe the advice on independence would be all the advice he wanted. I mean, you obviously worked very closely with Nicola Sturgeon for years. If you had to guess, what do you think her motivation was behind that? I, I've, I've no idea. I mean, I, I, I long since gave up uh, trying to understand Nicola's motivations. Uh, so you'd have to... That's a question you'd have to ask Nicola. That's fair. I mean, I know you've been... Um, very critical of some of the choices made by Hamza Yousaf and his leadership so far. Someone else who's been very critical of him for very different reasons is Elon Musk. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but he accused the First Minister of being racist after sharing a video of him criticising the lack of diversity in top positions in Scottish public life. It's quite an old video now. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Have you seen that video? Have you seen that tweet? Yeah, I've seen the video. I mean, you know, I think Hamza, now his First Minister, would probably express himself a bit differently. But nonetheless, there was a substantial point, was there not? That in many areas of powerful positions, Scotland has been an unequal society. And one of the greatest sources, not the only one by any means, but one of the greatest sources of inequality of opportunity in Scotland is on, on race, on colour. Uh, so I, I think, I, I mean, I like to see a First Minister that squares up to that. I think Hamza probably would, I mean, I, I think the video you're talking about was when he was, before he was First mm. Minister. I think it was some some years ago. Uh, you know, a First Minister, you know, I, I tended to express myself a wee bit differently when I was First Minister from when I was a an opposition politician, or perhaps even than I do now. I mean, so I think he would probably modulate the tone slightly. I wanted to ask you about your own motivations and what drives you at this stage in your career. You know, other than independence, that's that's the obvious one. Uh, we've talked about you kind of getting into social policies. What is it you'd like to achieve going forward with Alpa? You know, what are the realistic goals other than independence? My ambition 
for Scotlanders to see it independent. I have to say, when I left office in 2014, I, I thought it was just a matter of when. I thought the movement had been so great, so devastating, the Labour Party being swept from the scene in Scottish politics. I, I thought it was uh, just a, a matter of time. I, uh, I, I thought the circumstances would arise and allow, and I thought the circumstances did arise when Scotland was dragged out of Europe against the will of the people. Uh, I'm bemused as to why the issue hasn't been put to the touch since. I don't think there's been a real determination in the SNP leadership. And unfortunately, after the conference, I still don't see that determination in the SNP leadership. So I think it'd be a good thing for the independence movement if there's a party with a significant number of candidates in the field who are unambiguously arguing for that independence mandate. In terms of ALAPA, then our great opportunity is going to be in two and a half years' time at the Scottish elections, where if ALAPA can get to 15% of the vote, and remember, there's been two polls even this year which showing us getting seats in the Scottish Parliament, if we can get to 15% of the vote, which is not an outrageous target, it's a significant advance in where we are now, obviously, then we'd have 20-plus seats in the Scottish Parliament and a huge influence in driving that Parliament towards an independence direction. That's what I want to see for Alipa. That was Alex Salmond talking to Derek Huey there. And that's all we have time for on this special edition of The Stushy. We'll be back next week on Wednesday with more. Until then, thanks once more to our guests, Alex Salmond and Ash Regan, and for joining me and producer Morvan McIntyre. Until next week, you can keep in touch with everything that we cover across the P&J, The Courier and The Sunday Post in print and online. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>